story forward enthusiasts, fanatics, lovers. Lovers. You have yeah. come to the right place because this is the Story Forward Podcast. Welcome. Season three. We are your irrepressible hosts. He is Christian Witt. I am Larry Rosen. Hello. We are here to entertain you. Uh, but we have a little, ho- little help this season. As you know, we are comprising each, e- each episode of three stories told unified under a an theme. An average of three. So an average of three, We're yeah. still in the process of, you yeah. know, As winnowing down some of the awesome stories. Let it be, just just yeah. let it behind the curtain there, why not? Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, for this episode, we definitely have three stories, uh, all under one umbrella, thematic umbrella, and that theme is? Golf. The sport of golf, as you said, is the most frustrating sport. Is golf the sport of kings? No, it's horse racing. <laughs> sport, no, well. No, golf's the most frustrating <laughs> sport. Um, you know, one thing we haven't been doing on these intros because we've been so worried about time is talking about our own experiences under the, each theme. Right. Um, I know, and you may not know this listeners, but Christian Wynn, before he became a world-renowned author, <laughs> um, was quite the golfer and still is quite the golfer. But uh, he, because of this, we've tapped him to actually mm-hmm. tell one of the stories. This is true. I'll be on here. So listen up. Um, it involves back at when I was a sophomore in high school. Actually, it encompasses what I take golf to have meant um, as a young man, and that's carried over into my adulthood. But also some uh, adults behaving badly. <laughs> at least one. But uh, anyway, you'll get that here in a few. I'll tell you what golf means to Christian Wynn. We're here at the home student. I'm looking over in the corner, and I see a coffee <laughs> mug full of golf balls and a putter leaning against uh, the wall. I do putt on my. Th- throw rug every once in a while it's an area rug it's an everyday thing we have other storytellers uh and i think this is a great episode because we sort of are approaching golf from a couple angles on the one hand we have cameron morfitt who has it's been a short of someone who's on the pga tour it's hard to have a more golf-centric life I know Cameron. he's been a golf journalist and for Sports Illustrated, for Golf Magazine, for the PGA, uh, PGA Tour. PGA Tour now, as a, at the time of this recording, he is an employee of the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. We talk about that a little bit just because I couldn't resist. Oh yeah, I, there's more to talk about that we didn't get in this episode, but he mm-hmm. has a story that involves uh, Bill Clinton. Uh huh. Bill Clinton. <laughs> he does and name golf. drop a few. Things. He's, he's, I mean, not in a I bad would way. totally name drop. Well, not as with Bill Clinton, but it's he's a, got some good ones. Well, in and there. it's a hero's journey too that runs from the lows. It's, it's a hero's journey involving Bills. Two Bills. From the <laughs> lows of Bill Murray to the highs of Bill Clinton. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then um, wholly contrasting that story, we have young Ryan Marsh, who you may be familiar with. Uh, he appeared on a, he told a story on, I forget which episode it was, and it was Summer Stories. It's about vacation, summer vacation. A family vacation yeah. in Italy. Um, but Ryan, apparently, despite having learned how to golf two years ago, has now worked himself into a fine golfer with an eight handicap, perhaps in part because of his day job, which is... It works at the Warm Springs Municipal Golf Course in Boise, Idaho. Mm-hmm. So he is a city employee <laughs> and he bartends out there and mm-hmm. gets to play a lot of golf. For, well, he always golfs, for, you know, it's, it's gratis free, when you're, right? you know, yeah. when you're, yeah. and every once in a while, I won't say that. Plus, you know, Ryan, <laughs> who is, uh, Ryan's sort of working himself to be a junior Christian win here in Boise, doing a lot of uh, literary scene, community he is sort of organizing and stepping stuff. up. But artist. His secret is that he was once a very highly regarded baseball player. I know he doesn't talk about that. No, much. it could, but it could translate into picking up golf. Oh, quickly. for sure, he's a yeah. big kid, big he's kid. A strapping young man, kid. mustache, the whole thing. He does. Yeah, have the yeah. he actually arrived wearing golf clothes, which. Uh, yeah, given that it was snowing. <laughs> yeah, well, he didn't have the knickers on. No, but I think I've seen. No, he just had a, like a, a short sleeve on top of a some sort of fleece jacket but it was a like a, a pga cutter buck, yeah. a cutter and buck jacket yeah. thing that he might have gotten out of the lost and found at warm springs who knows <laughs> <laughs> so uh those are our three storytellers uh we're gonna start off with cameron yep we're gonna get to go start with very professional and devolve from there Right, everybody, we're here with Cameron Morfitt, a friend of mine, and now Larry, since they both live in Jacksonville, but <laughs> one Jacksonville in Oregon and one in Florida, where Cameron is. Um, and yeah, he lived in Boise for a while as an author, a sports writer, um, and what else are you doing? I think you're working for the PGA right now, right, Cameron? 
Right. I provide written content for the PGA Tour, so I do a lot of stuff for their website and uh, do a little bit of social media stuff as well, but mostly it's stuff that ends up on their website. So I've gone from a sports writer who uh, worked for newspapers to magazines to now entirely digital, no more paper at all. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been here for about six years, uh, six and a half years, and uh, we've enjoyed it. It's it's been fun. Cameron, um, does that involve um, does that involve actually physically covering tournaments? Yes, it. That's the best part and the worst. Mm. It uh, it is a lot of travel. I went up to about eighteen tournaments this year. Oh wow! And then there were maybe you know two or three other trips here and there. For example, to go interview some guy at his house or what whatnot. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of the time I'll be at a tournament for five to seven days. So, so almost oh like goodness. a whole week. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of hotel room walls and I got a uh, very good status this year on Hilton, which, uh, oh, good. which is, <laughs> good. I think a, uh, a mixed, you know, blessing, obviously. Yeah. You've been in the world of golf for a long time and you have a story for us today. Yeah. We'll stop geeking out about, I golf, know so you can it tell involves story. golf and you and Bill Clinton apparently. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So lay it on us, Cameron. Right. So, yeah. So I started my sports writing career in Idaho Falls, uh, the toddling town of Idaho <laughs> Falls. And, uh, you know, an old editor of mine said, it's not pretty, but you can see pretty from there. Um, and it was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, one of the things that happened when I was there is President Clinton, in August of 1995, he and his family took a 17-day vacation in the Tetons. Right. Uh, I did not cover it. I was working as a sports writer at the time. Uh, I, I didn't cover politics. There wasn't really much reason for me to cover it. Um, but I did hear secondhand from colleagues who had covered it, uh, who had gone out to the airport, for example, to meet him that he was just very charming. He looked you in the eye. He remembered your name, uh, you know, and this was something that I think we've all heard, right? Anybody who's met yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy, that's kind of, that's what he is. That's who he is. That's why he's such a good politician in part. Um, so he was there in, in 1995 to just sort of relax a long vacation, 17 days. Uh, he wanted to play a little bit of golf. Um, so, I, uh, you know, I heard, I heard sort of secondhand stories about it. I was, I was, I was working for the post register covering rodeo, football, basketball, mm -hmm. arm wrestling once. <laughs> uh, I wrote about the apprehension of a serial killer Ooh. who uh, was caught on the banks of the Snake River and mm -hmm. who painted saw blades in his spare time. Uh, <laughs> and I also covered golf. Uh, I cover as and I, as, as fate would have it, the, uh, the the sport that I enjoyed playing the most was the one that I enjoyed covering the most, and so I ended up going from Idaho Falls to go cover golf for Sports Illustrated in New York. Um, I later worked for Golf Magazine and Golf dot com, also in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, Bill Clinton finished his second term mm -hmm. and played a little golf, sort of interspersed while, while doing the business of presidenting. And, and also when he was done with his second term, also ended up moving to New York. So we were both living uh, in New York. He was, he was a little bit uh, north of me. I was actually in the city itself. I believe he was in maybe Westchester County, I want to say. Okay. Um, and so we were sort of you know, doing our own thing. And, and uh, I did see him one time. He was striding very purposefully into the time life building, looking very slim uh, on his <laughs> vegan diet to <laughs> go get his cover photo taken for Time magazine. Uh, and of course, you know, there's a, a few little secret service people around. Actually, actually, they, they weren't really that close to him. He was sort <laughs> of striding ahead of them. So anyway, time, time went on and uh, ended up about 19 years after he vacationed cl close to where I was working at the Idaho Falls Post Register. We ended up uh, at the same party. It was the 2014 Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year Banquet at mm -hmm. Chelsea Piers in New York. 
I had never been to to this. I but I was at the time still connected to Sports Illustrated. I I had moved on, but I still kind of did a little bit of work for them occasionally. And Bill Clinton was the featured speaker, hmm. and he was terrific. I mean, he got up there and just, you know, he could talk the ears off a basset hound, Bill Clinton. And he, <laughs> he got up there and he, he talked about teamwork and he made that old joke about how we all want to believe that we were born in a log cabin that we built ourselves. And uh, he just was, he could not have been more eloquent. And uh, we were all sort of listening to this and spellbound and everybody was sort of talking amongst each other saying, geez, aren't you glad you don't have to follow this? <laughs> um, and of course, Madison Baumgartner, who was sort of the uh, the the honoree that night, um, was, uh, you know, he's just an athlete. He's, he's not going to go up there and really mesmerize anybody with his public speaking skills. Um, but but he, he accepted his award and, and, you know, we all went on our way. Right. This was in December of 2014. So we all go and, and our separate ways. We all go have Christmas. Uh, we all go have New Year's. And 2015 rolls around. And I go, I get an assignment for a golf magazine to go cover a golf tournament mm -hmm. in Palm Desert, California. And... It is the 2015 Humana Challenge in partnership with the Clinton Foundation, uh -huh. which has to be one of the longest golf tournament <laughs> names ever, by the way. Um, so, you know, I covered this tournament before. I've, I, at this point, I had flown around a lot in my career. I covered a lot of golf tournaments. I'd also interviewed a lot of big names. Um, I'd talked to Tiger Woods. I'd talked to Phil Mickelson. I'd talked to Carl Malone, the basketball player for the Utah Jazz, who asked me that I not bother him with basketball questions. Um, so, uh, and, and uh, actually, I was watching him sign autographs. And as he went through the line, there was a guy who came up to him and asked him to sign a Polaroid of his cat who liked to watch him play basketball <laughs> on television. Um, so, you know, I got a sense of sort of what, what these famous athletes deal with. I imagine Bill Clinton probably had to deal with some of this as well. I'd interviewed uh, Peyton Manning before. I'd interviewed uh, him at a, at a pro celebrity golf tournament at Pebble Beach, where I also had interviewed uh, Joe Pesci. Oh, um, and uh, I asked Joe Pesci uh, what his favorite golf course was, and he said, "He said, how should I know? It's like asking me my favorite girl. I haven't tried them all yet." Oh so, my gosh, Joe! Uh, That's a good Joe Pesci. That is good. Yes. Yeah, so, so that was that was, and then I interviewed uh, Greg Kinnear at that tournament as well. Hmm. Um, and that was that was also the week that I completely choked. The biggest choke I've ever had trying to interview somebody. Uh, I was trying to interview Bill Murray. I didn't know what he was going to do. He's, I think the fact that he's so unpredictable just freaked me out. And I couldn't quite get my name out and introduce myself in an expedient, confident manner. <laughs> he turned on his heels, walked away, and left me just standing there like a stooge. I felt, <laughs> I felt, I felt two feet tall. But anyway, at, the, by the time I got to the to the 2015 Humana Challenge in partnership with the Clinton Foundation, <laughs> I, I, I'd interviewed some pretty big names. Mm -hmm. And I was out just, it was early in the week, I was out sort of just stretching my legs. I wasn't doing anything really that important. And a black uh, town car rolls up, and who should stride out of the back of that car but Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. And... I think to myself, well, this is amazing. Like a month ago, I was with this guy, sort of, you know, listening to him address everybody in the in the room and, and cast his spell at the Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year banquet in Chelsea Piers in Manhattan. Now, a month later, we're on the opposite coast. We're in Palm Desert, California. And here he is again. I have to tell him. I absolutely have to tell him how great he was that night. So I went up to him 
And I thrust my hand out and I said, Mr. President Clinton, you just, I, I, I just wanted to say, I heard you speak at the Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year banquet. And I just want to say how great you were. It was so terrific. And I loved what you said about teamwork. And I loved the, the, the little quip about, you know, we're all born in a log cabin that we think we built ourselves, hmm. uh, which is, turns out to be something that he said several times, by the way. <laughs> um, usually he says it of politicians because they don't want to share the credit. Uh. Um, but anyway, he sort of, he gripped my hand and he listened to me say all this stuff. And I was ready to kind of let him go and move on. And I realized he was not letting go. He, he he was not letting go of my hand. And he looked at me and he said, what'd you say your name was? And I said, Cameron Morfitt. I work for, for Sports Illustrated. And that's the reason why I was at the banquet. And, you know, I just, I just wanted to say, you know, I thought you were great. And, uh, and then he kind of took this in and nodded and, I thought, well, maybe he'll let me go now. He'll let go of my <laughs> hand. And, and at that point, I got a little tap on the shoulder. And it was a Secret Service agent who was essentially saying, you've had your time. It's time for you to go. So Bill Clinton seemed to sort of know this intuitively, I guess. And he let go of my hand. And we separated and he went off to a private sort of tent area to meet and greet or whatever one does as the sort of de facto host of, of a golf tournament and, and ex-president. And I went off to go and do my work, mm -hmm. uh, probably, you know, interviewing some golfers about terribly important things, whatever they were. And about, six or seven hours passed and it was a nice sunny bluebird day and it was pretty i don't know late in the afternoon maybe four or five and i was decided well i think i'll stretch my legs again so i went out i got out of the media room and wandered out to sort of the same general vicinity of where i had mm -hmm. been and i had heard there was going to be some sort of presentation later in the day to like a, a some sort of a uh, service number um, to thank him for his service and Bill Clinton was going to be giving that presentation and who should come along but uh, President Clinton and his retinue of, of uh, Secret Service agents and perhaps the guy that he was going to be giving the award to he was also with uh, one of the golfers who I recognized, and uh, I kind of watched this all from afar. I was probably about 30 feet away, and then I kind of closed, and maybe I was about 20 feet away, and then he looked over to his right, and he caught my eye, and I was about 15 or 10 feet away, and he looked at me, and he said, Cameron, and I thought, oh, my gosh, everybody said this guy remembers your name. <laughs> you know, he remembered my name. That's awesome. So uh, I, of course, walked away feeling feeling eight feet tall as opposed to feeling two feet tall when I when I left my little disastrous interview with Bill Murray. Uh, Bill Clinton made me feel eight feet tall and, and he went out to the 18th green and did his presentation. And I went off into the night with a story that I have since told probably 20 or 30 times um, <laughs> and great. continue to tell. <laughs> Take That's that, awesome. Bill, Bill, Bill Murray. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the other exactly. Bill. Oh, yeah. That is fantastic. The tale of two Bills. The tale of two Bills. You know, it's funny. I've, I've heard <laughs> several, not similar, but stories that involve Bill Clinton making people feel special. Hmm. In, right. Or, or being larger than life. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just felt like, wow, he really saw me. You know, he really... <laughs> 
<laughs> he really liked the cut of my jib or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He loved uh, your hand you a lot, I guess. <laughs> right. He wouldn't let go of my hand. I, that was interesting. That was the first thing that was unusual. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he, he is a spellbinding guy, and I now sort of see what everybody was talking about for all those years. Um, well, thank you, Cameron, so much. Uh, that was a great story. Um, reminds me yeah, all the things awesome. that all that all I've heard about Bill Clinton is true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I, thanks, Larry. Thanks, yeah, Christian. And, um, do you um, do you have a, a website or anything, any place where people can see your work? Um, yeah, all my work ends up on pgatour.com. dot com. Okay, so that's. Okay. That's yeah. There's a lot of golf. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> a lot awesome. of golf. Golf writing. Yep. So yeah. Should be an interesting year next year because there's going to be a Netflix series. Oh. Um, I don't know if anybody's watched Drives to Survive, which is the Netflix series on no. Formula One racing, but they have a golf PGA oh. tour. They followed the PGA tour this year, which was um, an interesting year. Hmm, I'll, to follow that... the PGA tour because of the Saudi League. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, so there's there's going to be a Netflix series that's going to be huh. launching um, next year. That's I think cool. it's going to be launching in uh, February. Oh, I'll be oh, I'll be into that for sure. Oh, my golf stand yeah. buddies. Yeah, yeah it's well, gonna be, it's going to be cool. Cool, cool. And um, there we go. Thanks for coming on. All right, thank you guys. Our next storyteller is a local legend, Ryan Marsh, the poet and writer. You may know him from Boise, Idaho. Also the founder of Backyardist, which is a platform for emerging artists of all genres to share their work. I just learned that Ryan, an avid golfer, only learned to golf two years ago, so I'm not sure if I want to continue talking to In him. 2020, yeah. So. But he is here. he's a COVID golfer. He is here to tell us a story about golf the world of golf and ryan, mr ryan marsh thank you guys for uh for having me here to be able to talk about golf it's absolutely favorite thing in the world yeah he is wearing a cutter and buck uh pullover right now kind of a yes. rain pullover ready uh, for some cold weather what's golf. on the what's your logo? creek canyon classic 2000 when i was all of two years old Oh, uh, <laughs> Don't do that to us, Ryan. So, he's a young man, by the way. He is a young we man. We are the old men. No, 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 no. Young, everyone's young at heart. We're all kids. We um, but thank you guys for having me on here and being able to chat about some golf. I was, I was thinking about what story to tell, and I think I, uh, I'll start by, by saying that I work over at Warm Springs Golf Course in Boise, Idaho. And when I started playing golf, I realized very quickly that I couldn't play very long because it's way too expensive and I just had no money. And so I was like, well, you know what? I should see if they are hiring. <laughs> and so walked in one day, ended up uh, getting a job as a bartender there. And then that comes with free golf when you work at Warm Springs. And so that's helped out a ton. But what I really want to talk about are the, the Canadian geese that stay in <laughs> Boise, Idaho. Um, one place, or another not sure if it's the only place but these geese don't leave and so they're here year-round and a golf course is a plethora of food for these geese and they will never never leave like their entire lives will just be on this these 18 holes <laughs> i do believe ryan that <clears throat> flocks of geese produce flocks of uh geese excrement e yes e lots of excrement um, from greens to fairways to right outside the clubhouse, you can just find yourself walking in it. Um, and these geese are pretty, pretty okay and humanized. You know, they aren't the ones they'll, they'll give you a hiss or two as you're walking by to your next shot, but none of them are going to go after you. Um, but there have been many a time since the numbers are so pretty ample out there, um, that they've gotten hit, uh, mm -hmm. quite a few times. And... This one gentleman that that plays over at the golf course, um, he used to buy a crown shot and he would get a crown shot and three plastic cups and not drink the crown shot then. And so for about two months straight, I'm I'm serving this to him. And I was like, man, one day I'm going to ask you, what are you getting this shot for? Why do you need three extra cups? It's not like a triple shot. You know, it's just it's one shot going to split it all up. What's going on? And so one day I asked him and I was like, what? what are you doing with this? Is this going to be for you? Is this for your friends when you're out there? 
And he actually told me this really, really tender story of last year, he, his wife and his friend were playing and on hole 16, there's a pond right by. And all the geese really love there because they can kind of go in and out between dumping in the water or just coming and, and eating the, all the grass that they want. And he had a tee shot and he was like, man, this tee shot was just a worm burner and <laughs> did not get over a foot above the ground and just ripped into a goose and he felt horrible about it and so every single time that he plays and he's a member out there but he'll buy a shot and when him his wife and his friend get to hole 16 they'll split up that shot and they'll salute to this goose that he accidentally (laughs) killed and i i was i was flabbergasted i was like man that is awesome like you know it's not awesome what had happened but this little ritual of this sport has kind of brought you together and everyone's like, hey, all right, salute to Gary the Goose, you know? (laughs) Pour one out for Gary. Exactly. And I just, I found that to be pretty passionate and and really, really caring. Um, And I recently had my own endeavor with a goose. (laughs) You had a run in with a goose. (laughs) I had a run in with a goose. I, uh, I've started playing with three of the golf pros that are at Warm Springs and they've, they've been helping me out a lot to, to tell me how to swing and how to be better at golf. So that's Mm -hmm. nice. Um, But when I play with them, you know, I I always want to play really well. You know, I don't want to be the one that is really dragging them behind as they're always pretty consistently at par or, you know, can be four under par on on an average day. And so I always sometimes press a little bit. And I was on hole six. It's a par five, a long par five. And man, I just hit this tee shot and it just starts going up and then it has so much topspin that it just navigates its way straight down. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a huge flock of keys right in front of us and just drilled, drilled one right in the back. And it just kind of- flying. It it wasn't like a poof moment, but it was really sad, man. Mm. Cause you kind of just saw it. Trying to shake that off. Was but. It, did you did you kill the goose? No, so it walked off, but it completely got into my head for oh, the no. next like three holes. You know, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh god, this is horrible, man. I just that goose is gonna not be surviving. That goose is cooked. It's cooked. <laughs> <laughs> can I? I hate to interrupt, but can I ask you a question? The pros, yeah, how do they respond? to to, to you that? doing that and oh, then and man. then sucking for four holes? All of them. All of them kind of just looked at me and they were like, ah, dang it. (laughs) They've all been there long enough to where they know that this, it it regularly happens. Like we were in league and there was a geese or there was one one goose, actually, I should say, uh, one goose that was just walking and I guess it must've got hit in the neck and it just had a broken neck and it was just flopping around. And so I'd say probably like once or twice a week, you know, someone is like, hey, there's a goose out here on hole 14 that is not doing well. (laughs) Um, And so then we'll send someone out and and, and try to take care of them. But they they were receptive to it and they they were okay with me kind of just like, being a little overwhelmed just working through it yeah working through it right it's just another part of the game and and whatnot so i was i was a little nervous though i was like oh god uh, <laughs> you're gonna get it <laughs> and yeah i just i don't know i think the geese and the symbiosis between the geese being there at warm springs and the golfers that are always there there's almost like everyone always complains about them like all oh, these dang geese it's like okay but they're really not doing the worst. You know, they're just hanging out. They're living their lives. Come springtime, it is a very beautiful thing because they have all their babies and their babies are they're running around cute, yeah. and they're extremely fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's cool to kind of see within this, this space where people have created a game to where, okay, there's even like life there, you know, outside right. of just humans. You know, and there's some fish that are in the pond. And then there's also... It's probably deer a, that come down that way a lot, too. A ton of elk in the winter. Wow. Have seen 80, 80 heads or so will come down from Idaho City. And they'll find yeah. their way to Warm Springs. And so at night, about 3 a.m., our, our maintenance crew and our, our grounds guys will have to go out there and kind of chase them off. Because they will just rummage through the whole green. 
totally. like they, you know, when the grass is frozen and, and someone steps on it, it'll kind of create that burn mark. Mm-hmm. And the elk don't know that. No, they but don't care. They don't, yeah, they don't care. They're like, food, give me, give me the munchies. We're elk, we don't yeah. care. <laughs> yeah. And so you'll just see the greens during the winter will just become literally like you're, you're <laughs> shooting over Legos. <laughs> like, right. Bumpy. Um, Speaking of the greens, one thing that I've noticed that Warm Springs does um, and other golf courses do, there's a little device on the edge of the green or a couple of them to keep the birds off of the actual green. You know how that works? I have no idea. And I am, <laughs> I'm not sure that it works. It's like it refracts light onto, that it kind of keeps them. They're like, this is not a place to go. Yeah. And we've tried We've tried a remote control. We, tr- we did a remote control shark um, that would just chase after the geese to try <laughs> to get them out there last year. That didn't really work. <laughs> um, they're, they're pretty keen on going wherever they want to go. It's funny. <laughs> yeah <clears throat> that's not something i ever thought about a golf course overrun with geese i've played a golf course that was overrun with giant iguanas what whoa in key west oh my gosh that's... how'd that work out you had to shoot over the iguana on one hole <laughs> wow or the, the and i thought they were crocodiles like it was like they were that big and like no Jeez. no those are just iguanas like, yeah oh yeah gosh. still it's kind of unnerving they're sitting there watching me yeah it's like a dinosaur watching me tee off Playing golf in Seattle, same problem with the geese. And it's a short, short story to follow up on you hitting a goose. I did hit a goose in the leg. It was okay, but I would see that same goose back at the golf course with just kind of walking around with one leg. Yep. Fly, walk, fly, walk. And then a friend of mine, his dad, hit a goose on a golf course. And he's a hunter. He was a hunter. This was from years ago. And so just what do you do? You put the goose out of his misery. So we walked, he walked over, rang the goose's neck, threw it in the bushes. And somebody saw oh him gosh. and called animal control on him. And like <laughs> all of a sudden they, they show up and they're like trying to write him a ticket for it. And I'm not exactly sure what happened, but he just took care of it himself. So yeah, yeah. That's this. it. Geese and golf, man. Geese the and G's, golf. The G's of geese golf. And, and have you ever seen the Randy Johnson, the pitcher clip yeah. of him oh, uh, yeah. blowing yeah. up the bird? It wasn't a goose, but it was a pigeon. The bird, the that pigeon. was a pigeon. That's right. Actually, Randy Johnson is now a professional sports photographer, and his logo is an upside down pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Just within the last few weeks, it's I big saw unit. that. There he is. Unit. That's awesome, yeah. man. Oh, man. Well, Ryan, thanks for coming by and telling us your story of geese. That is actually not. A direction i thought a golf story was gonna go me neither yeah it's uh you know there's there's a lot more to golf than just the golf itself and that's what i find interesting about it awesome yes. well it was awesome and uh yeah are you gonna get us on to warm springs sometime soon yeah <laughs> well, when the snow melts yeah. it's currently yeah. snowing you guys will be up on the green here, and i'll so. still be hacking away on the <laughs> near the fairway <laughs> uh, before you before you go ryan do you have anything to promote yeah, yeah. The Backyardist has their first program of a uh, writer's workshop taken place on November 19th. And that is going to have four writing instructors, four prompts. Uh, we have some campfires that are going to be there, some s'mores bar, some homemade hot cider. And then December 3rd is our second big event that we're throwing. And that's going to be at Chow Public Market from 8 to 11 p.m and here in boise idaho here in boise idaho exactly and uh we're gonna have a live tattooist on stage who will be uh the owner of the shop will be tattooing the apprentice of the shop and i'll be up there facilitating a conversation with them (laughs) Um, and then we've got three readers um sam berman actually reading, and then tomas baiza and uh katie d'andrea and then we'll have an interactive um, third act within the audience for for our final. All right, sweet. And if by chance you're hearing this after those have already happened, go look up the backyardist. Yeah, where do you guys have a website yet? Or uh, not the website media? yet, just social media. The backyardists on Instagram, and you can uh, hit us there or email us at thebackyardartists at gmail dot com. Sweet. Right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me here. Yes, yeah, our lovely. pleasure. Thanks, Ryan. Absolutely. Our next storyteller is someone I know very well because he's sitting next to me and has been for the last three days pretty much nonstop. Mr. Christian Wynn is going to tell a story about golf. I don't know if you know this about Mr. Christian Wynn, but he has a very long and storied history with, we still haven't thought of what they call golf, like not the royal sport or what is it? The king sport, (laughs) something something haughty, right? We could probably look that up right now. I don't know. It is pretty haughty. All right. While he's telling his story, I'm going to look this up. Uh, It's a story that involves broken bones, angry adults, uh, sassy high school kids, 
Yes, a state championship uh, golf tournament. Yeah. And a and few then... things is about my life right then. So let her rip. All right. So this is primarily going to take place my sophomore year of high school. I played, started playing golf when I was about, I can't remember exactly if I was 12 or 13, down in the Palo Alto Bay area. Um, so I worked at the uh, Palo Alto Municipal Golf Course. It was my very first job outside of having a paper route and played a whole lot of golf and was I got pretty good with some friends. Um, just dove into the game and quit baseball and uh, still played some soccer, which we'll play into the story as well. But when we, our family moved to the Seattle area, lived in Bothell for a little bit, and then uh, my folks bought a house out in Woodenville. Um, and so that is in the Kingco Conference, and they were excited that they were going to get a new fancy golfer from California, they heard, and uh, showed up after uh, practicing all summer for kind of tryouts, but it seemed like I had a spot on the team. And uh, we had a really good team, the Inglemore Vikings, um, Travis Cox, Rich and Mike Morgan, this guy named Todd Eggy, who will play into this story as well, and a, and a host of others. Uh, we have... Um, it had been to the, I guess they had been to the state tournament a couple times. And now with me there, um, we felt pretty confident that we could win our league and make it to the state tournament. So this would have been 1983 and 84. So in the Seattle area, for whatever reason, in Western Washington, they do their sports a little different than Eastern Washington. The climate's very different on either side of the Cascade Mountains. So we would play golf our season was in the fall and it would still be pretty rainy especially as the season got a little closer to uh, the first of the year and we played in the fall and then the other folks and uh, other teams in in the state of washington on the east side of the state play their actual golf season in the spring so the state tournament's always in the spring so everybody gets to play and this is how it was back then at least they may have changed all this this was many years ago in the 80s as i said so anyway our team is good and we win our conference and we go into the state tournament we're super super psyched but uh you know it's a few months away so then you go into the winter in seattle and you can play some golf it's not really super snowy or anything but it's rainy but we all kept playing and practicing and you know we're super psyched to be getting back to the state tour getting to the state tournament for me because sophomore year is the first year of high school in the seattle area where i went to school so I, I had never been to the state tournament but a couple of the guys on the team who were older had been and so practice all winter and i like i mentioned in the intro to this story i played soccer as well um and so i played some basketball over the winter but playing golf and then come the you know the new year i'm kind of gearing up for soccer season which is also in the spring so and i was a goalie a pretty good goalie actually too that was those were my two main sports at that time uh soccer and golf and we had a pretty good team too and i was actually on the jv team my sophomore year but uh, got to play a little varsity but here we are, deep into the soccer season, getting ready to get to, to the state tournament for golf. And lo and behold, I'm playing goalie, go sliding out for a ball that's, that's knocked in. This guy, this kid, slides into me, red carded. It was very uh, flagrant. But here I did uh, something that I was really upset about, uh, broke my ankle. And the state tournament was looming and i was like oh my god oh jesus what am i gonna do golf i've been waiting for this for months and you know i was really into it and really bummed and spring break was right after that so i sat around with this cast on my leg reading a book um i think i read the hobbit that that's one thing i did too actually during that spring break but i was like i'm screwed there's no way i'm gonna make this uh state tournament happen but you know i kind of was trying different things and just kind of practicing my swing and I was like you know it was my right leg I'm right-handed so I can put a lot of the weight on my left leg and kind of balance more with my back leg and I got out there and lo and behold I figured out a way that I could actually hit the ball pretty well it was not terribly different for me um so especially once I got a walking cast and that took a you know maybe you'd say three or four weeks before I got a walking cast, or maybe more. I can't remember for sure. But bottom line, so there I am, uh, able to actually go out and practice. And I'm like, 
can I do this? Can I do this? And I, I was actually walking the course and it was a very pretty hilly course. Our home course as we were practicing at Inglewood Country Club. And we were, you know, public school kids out there at Inglemore. Um, and we were playing at Inglewood, which is a private club, pretty fancy for the Seattle area. And here I am with my walking cast kind of, you know, feeling a little awkward out there, but I was like, I've got to play, you know? So we got up there, we're practicing, we're practicing. And, you know, the members out there didn't always like the public school kids coming around their course, you know, the pro was this guy named Rick Adele, who was a real dick, but he was at least tolerant of us. And he was this kind of a guy with a tuft of hair coming out of his golf shirt with a medallion hanging down there on the big tuft. And he was like reaching around the ladies when he was giving them lessons and that kind of thing. So, but there were a couple of uh, unsavory members, you know, who just, like I said, didn't like having us around. And so uh, the fateful part of this here, the story that uh, outside of my own golf game that happened this one day at the golf course when we were practicing for the state tournament. I was playing with this guy, Todd Eggie, who I mentioned, this guy named Rich Morgan, who I mentioned, and Travis Cox, who were all, we were all the top golfers on our team. And so we're out there practicing and this one dude who was just also a dick, um, probably drunk and probably had some anger issues for sure. We've, but I'm only a sophomore in high school and I'm just like out there kind of hopping around on the course and he's like made some snide remark like, God damn kid, what are you doing hopping around on our greens out here? I'm going to play through. As we played a par three, next hole is a par five. So he and his buddies come storming up on us. They're going to play through, which if you don't play golf means one group gets to go ahead of the other group and he wanted his group to go ahead, which is not an uncommon move and we were fine with that. But he was being such a jerk that, uh, you know, we were high school kids and uh, it wasn't the, the coolest, but we liked playing there. So they go storming through us, go hit, you know, hit their tee shots and about 30 feet, 40 feet up after they're walking towards the fairway and we're on the tee still, my friend Todd Eggie, pretty big guy, Midwestern dude, kind of a, you know, kind of a no BS individual for sure. He said something crass to them like, all right, fellas, hit him well out there. Thanks a lot. And I'm just making that part up. I can't remember. He didn't like swear at him. He didn't do anything. And the drunk guy was calling the drunk guy. I don't know for sure if he was drinking that day, but he dropped his bag, turns tail, and comes running like from 30 or 40 feet away. And we're like these high school kids on the tee. And here comes this dude. And he comes charging at Todd, full speed, tries to tackle him, takes him down. And we're just, I'm going to have this walking cast. I'm going, what in the heck does happen? How? Uh, and I can't do anything. So I'm not going to hop in. And I wasn't really a fighter kid much or anything like that. And then his buddies come running over and pull him off. And our, you know, Rich and Travis kind of, get Todd okay. And Todd didn't really swing on the guy or anything like that, but he could have. But here it is. We're way out far away from the clubhouse and we're just all in shock because they go, then they just go storming off. And so then we're thinking, oh my God, we're going to get kicked off this golf course. This country club doesn't want us here. This guy's going to complain. A lot of yada, 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 as they say. Um, anyway, so I we kept playing. I'm pretty sure that day we're like, what happened? Of course, we probably didn't play very well in the state tournaments looming. And we're like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose our home course. But lo and behold, other people at the club understood this guy was an asshole and didn't like him much. And it was really in the long run, it was he who uh, was reprimanded. I don't really ultimately know, but we got to keep the course all three years of my high school career. We went back to state tournament all three years. Uh, actually, that's not true. We went two out of the three. We got kind of screwed. It's another story. I got, we got screwed in the King Co Championship a little bit, but we got to go keep practicing at Inglewood. We got to go to the state tournament and just, it was super fun, but there was a weird little twist for me. I mean, I, I was kind of self-conscious, of course, about this cast on my leg and you're playing golf and I've never really seen anybody play with a cast on their leg before. And the state tournament people actually got me a golf cart. I was like, this, you have, you know, in, in competitive golf, nearly always you have to walk. That's part of the game. Um, and I was willing to walk. I was planning to walk. And I showed up to the course that day and they're like, oh, we've got a, I don't know if my coach arranged it or if they, the word was out, they got this, this kid with the walking cast is going to play. So they got me an, an electric cart. And, uh, so here I am with my clubs solo on this cart with the other kids walking 
and it kind of screwed my game up. I was like, you know, I played pretty well. I was playing probably to about a three handicap or something like that at the time, maybe two. But I end up shooting around 80, 81, which is about five or six strokes better than I was hoping for that day, maybe even more. But that said, it screwed me up a little bit, but we still placed pretty high. Um, it's I've got the picture with me in the cast and some old, you know, sort of uh, 1983 polo shirt. I guess that was 1984 by that time, right? Yep, I'm doing my, actually, it was 83. So anyway, that said, that was my sophomore year golf story who knows i bet that guy's dead by now <laughs> and you know i'm 55 years old now so it was quite some time ago yeah, so it was I, 40 years ago 40 bloody yeah, years 40. that's crazy yep but anyway that was my golf story i have lots of them but that's one i gave you guys today it's good it's not as tragic as my golf story but oh hey you're out of time buddy i'm out of time that was the buzzer, <laughs> was the buzzer. <laughs> there's the buzzer Well, how are you feeling after that? How are you feeling revisiting feel, that moment? I, I feel good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was, uh, I mean, golf became really super important, as I mentioned to me, and it stayed that way. I don't get to golf as often um, as I'd like. I, I don't think I've, well, I've broken my nose since then, but I don't, I have not broken <laughs> Any, uh, uh, well, maybe I, you know, we oh, recorded yeah. this, you know, a few weeks back. Yeah, yeah. So we're old now. So I, I'm hoping not. So maybe I just cursed myself. But anyway, yeah, I, I enjoyed telling that story and it's something that uh, sticks with me. There's a few other things and I could have told also about all that time, the competitive world of uh, Northwest junior golf. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to contrast it, I considered telling a golfing story myself, but that story would have involved scoring three tens in a row. <laughs> what do you call a 10? I mean, it's no so snowman is an eight and then it. So, yeah, well, sometimes, you know, when you play golf, often an eight's as much as you can get, right? Like double par is, a high as, is as high as you can go. Well, here's the thing. Three tens in a row. 10 was the max you could get in this tournament. Oh man. And I and I was all, I was very charitable. Well, not charitable. I was, I was diverse. <laughs> I got a 10 on a par five. <laughs> followed by a 10 and a par three. Oh. Followed by a 10 and a par four. And the par three may not have been a 10 because I think my eighth swing. <laughs> so I teed off into the water. I went to the drop, which is like, what, 30 yards from the green? Right. Hit it into a sand in front of the green. <laughs> six, I don't know. No, nah, it couldn't have been six. Maybe four swings in the sand. <laughs> That's when I picked up my ball and threw it into the woods. Oh, and man. you know what happens when, and then you go to the next <laughs> hole, which has like, I told you like 200 yards of water. I'm like, yeah, there's no way. And I just kept hitting it in the water. And you know what happens when you do that to the people that you play with? They get really nervous. They don't know what to say. <laughs> Nobody knows what to say to someone who has three tens. Were they in a friends row. of yours? Yeah, yeah, okay. they're all friends. We've been playing. I know. And, oh, and by have, the way, oh. I had gone into the last day. Now this is a handicap adjusted tournament, but I was in the lead. <laughs> Did that? And Whoa. the four people who were in the lead play together. So oh. I was in the cart with my buddy, like, yeah, I'm in the lead. This is going to be great. I'd been taking lessons. Everyone's like, yeah, this is your year. And boom, three tens in a row. And after that, <laughs> I just stumbled home. You know, I, just, yeah. I finished. And I guess I like our like an, like our marathoners in another episode uh, that you'll hear this season. I'm just happy I made it across the finish line. It was <laughs> yeah, you were on pace to moment. shoot 180. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> And the scary thing is I probably could have shot 15 on that par three if I just kept hitting. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, <laughs> we are going to close this out by thanking, of course, Brett Battistain, purveyor of the Ease Drop podcast network for, among other things, giving us the use of some great equipment, uh, giving us a slot on his podcast network. And just being an all-around nice guy. With a really great beard. A great beard. A good. He's a good dad. He's, yep. His wife is awesome. And his last name's really fun to say. Bad stain. Uh, we'd also like to thank, I don't know who, us. Us. Because we're doing everything now. I, I, yeah, we're, we're Thanks on to the, me for editing this. Yeah, I maybe have helped on yeah. this. I don't, I, I'm learning. Thanks to you for calling all the people and getting them on. Sure, yeah, I know. Yeah. Not all the people, but... but uh, for the most, like 90% of the people. Yeah, we want to thank Ryan and, and uh, Cameron. Yep, thanks to Ryan and Cameron. Um, and, and I guessed, we're, you know, well, if you want to vote... Thing. Yeah, I was going to say, Mr... Uh, I said the challenge. The, the season, uh, my idea was to, uh, you know, 
sport as story slash story as sport. Meaning there's a competition involved a little bit. It's like a slam, you know, like a poetry slam, story slam. But we decided that kind of got medium voted off the island. But uh, just because we got some awesome storytellers and none are better than the others, right? You have your mm-hmm. own taste. So what we'd like you to do, do vote or kind of chime in online at where, Larry? On our Facebook, probably our Facebook spot there. I think, like, yeah, you know, Facebook's probably the easiest place Story to Forward do podcast. It. To Story for- Forward Oh podcast. my gosh, Story Forward. <laughs> Facebook group. Uh, but also when, when you see uh, the post on Twitter at story.forward or Instagram story.forward, you can throw your comments in there and tell us you know, which one you like the best and why it wasn't Christian Wins. Yeah, <laughs> you can also find stuff that I do at christian.win.com. So you can, that's on a, it's a Squarespace website. And nice, you, can, nice. you can send me messages there about how much you hated my story if yeah. you want. <laughs> and you can go to my social oh, medias yeah. at Larry Rosen on Instagram and Twitter. I haven't ditched Twitter and I kind of don't care if people are. And I don't know. What, who cares? Yeah. I'll just stay there. See, Elon has I don't not done You might be off of it now or by, you know, by the time you hit this airs, he might have sold we, it. You know, yeah. We can, we have to pretend this is important. So <laughs> yes, we'll keep doing it. Anyways, that's enough political commentary for me. Uh, there's really only one thing left to say. Oh wait, no, you have to say how do people follow? How should people follow you on on the uh, oh social just, media? Just Instagram Christian underscore Win, and um, that's, that's a, I mean Twitter. W-I-N. You can find me on Twitter, but you're not going to find me putting much content. I should. Oh my gosh, theoretically, yeah, maybe I will. Okay, well, that leaves one thing, and that thing is to always remember to keep the story moving forward. Mm-hmm.